Hello, and welcome to another fantastic year of The Boys Are Back in Time. This is the music podcast where we go back in time to a random year and discuss what was happening in music that year. Uh, I'm Ryan, and I'm here with Bobby. How's it going? And Brian. Hey, everyone. Uh, And to give a little bit more background, uh, each year has four distinct parts, four episodes. Part one, we're going to be talking about the biggest genres and our overall impression of the year. Uh, Part two is popular music of the year, including the Billboard charts, the Grammys, all those things you love to hate or love to love, guiltily. Part three, we're going to be talking about discovery. We've assigned each other albums, give each other a time to think about some of these albums and, and give our reactions to those albums. Part four is where we're going to be giving out superlatives for the year. Just like in your high school yearbook, we're going to give some funny ones, some interesting ones, and some hopefully fun takes will ensue. So, to start off, Brian, what was your overall impression of 1988? Well, you know, it's kind of a funny year because um, I was thinking about it and, you know, uh, listening to like music from the late 60s and early 70s and listening to music, obviously more modern. Like I know people who've shared with me good music and music so social for me. I don't know anyone other than people at work in their 40s. I don't know anyone who would have been like formative time to be listening to music in 1988. And it kind of blew my mind because like it's weird to just not have any connection to anyone who would have like been growing up. And I was thinking because I did know a lot of this music. I got it all from video games. Like yeah. I got it all from like GTA San Andreas, like the radio Tony station. Hawk. <laughs> radio Los Santos. Yeah, Tony Hawk. I, so it was kind of really like one of the, the – the, this era that's um, – my connection to is is really strange. Yeah, I think going off of that, I always thought of this kind of as the Gilded Age in uh, U.S. history. In uh, AP U.S., that was uh, actually probably my favorite era to learn about in U.S. history because it's so, like, you don't think about it. It's like, oh, the Civil War and then, you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, World War One, like that zone. And it's just kind of the same thing for me musically where I'm like, oh, you have grunge music in the early 90s and in, like, the 80s you have, like, that synth pop stuff and, like, the police as every breath you take and uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller, but like that in between era, you just don't. I didn't register it the same way because there, it feels like the classic guys aren't really putting out anything that is uh, groundbreaking for them, and the new artists haven't come up yet. But as it turns out, as we started listening, there was so much great music and really formative albums that changed the trajectory of what popular music was. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with everything you guys are saying. The 80s is the decade in music that, at least growing up, I glossed over the most because I just thought of only the pop music of in that decade. And for me, classic rock in the 60s and 70s was the, the go-to. Um, and then 80s was a lot of the synthesizer stuff. So I was excited to look into this year in depth and have more of a perspective on it. But like you said, Brian, I don't know anyone who has this kind of um this nostalgic look at this time and yeah. had their formative years i mean like my mom loves 80s music <laughs> but not all of this stuff this was more late 80s and i was surprised by how much of the music 
I was listening to, I would have assumed was 90s music when I was listening to it. it some of it yeah. surprised me. It, it's a little fluid, especially like around where one decade meets the other. Yeah. Like in the aesthetics too of the early 90s with like all the neon colors, like it's still, oh, it didn't yeah. like 1990 happened and like all of a sudden everyone's like, stop wearing purple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same with but, the 70s going into the 80s. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of I always thought fast cars from the 90s. That surprised me. That was a big like, oh man. Well, I mean, some of the billboard hits that we'll get into, I thought were from the 90s and I'm amazed that they sustained uh into my consciousness oh yeah because um just I, I wouldn't have expected it another thing is so this is our second year that we've published um but we've done a bunch of practice years mm-hmm. and if there was going to be a bad year i feel like this was going to be it and now um you know when we did our reactions to other years I kind of was saying, oh, this was a really good year. I kind of think from here on out that I'm just always going to have good years. Like, there's just always good music in any given year. Right. You're going to be able to pull out some of the positives in Mm -hmm. a year. There's going to be negatives in every year, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's (laughs) one of those things that surprises you because there's a lot of albums here that are classic albums, but you just, you don't place them in the same threshold because of the era that they came out in. You know, the late 80s wasn't like, we aren't, it's not remembered as being this massive critically lauded era but yeah some i mean straight out of Compton came out of this time like there's as we get into it you'll see some of the great stuff that happened and that's the most impressive thing about this whole and like you said let's get into it let's talk about the genres for 1988 um starting with indie alternative rock bobby what do you got so indie alternative rock this is a very transformative time in that music because we've gone from the, the influencers like joy division creating really what alternative music is laid out as and you end up with sonic youth uh has daydream nation which is hanging on our wall right now pixies have their debut album surfer rosa um dinosaur jr is after um you're living all over me they follow it up with bug and jane's addiction rem just a bunch of great alternative bands that are going to be very focal in terms of what grunge becomes later and what popular music and what rock music the direction it goes down this is very critical to those movements and these are not necessarily albums you remember right away but it's out of the mainstream still but it's exciting it's an exciting genre something that would have been really cool to be a part of having lived in that time so rock is really on the decline and anything resembling classic rock that has evolved punk post-punk has a lot of lost steam most of the original bands are dead like black flag or the clash and this is Talking Heads, you know, hair metal is having the last dying Talking breath. Talking Heads had their, like, last album in yeah. 88. The final album. It's better than the, the one before, but it's nothing. Uh, you know, it's, it's The classic bands aren't really... Nobody's outputting anything huge. Tom Petty's about to put out a great album, but not in 88. Yeah. And it's, it's, an inter- it's interesting to look at it in context. It'd be like some of your favorite artists. None of them are really putting out this their A-list stuff. What's well, funny, because I try to think of, like, if I was in high school at this time, like... I would have been so excited by alternative rock um, and like a lot of those other genres. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with hair metal is probably that um, it's so old now that like if you were young, it's now associated with like older people. Yeah. And so it's not, I mean, with the exception of like Guns N' Roses, like everyone's well past their prime, like Van Halen, you know, uh, is not even the original lineup anymore. Yeah. And Second album with Hagar. Aerosmith is probably somewhere. Oh, there. yeah. Aerosmith, they have a comeback. But. They had a comeback, yeah. Then they, they were all about it. They had the song. I don't remember if it's in 88 or not, but it's called Angel, and that was a, a tough one. But 
Um, that's just my opinion. All right. Yeah. I, and one last thing on that is like, this is also the time where, um, like indie is a, a phrase thrown around a lot nowadays. Um, and it's more like an aesthetic thing now, but indie used to mean something in American alternative rock music. Um, and it meant like you had full creative control and there was like an implication that if you were on a major label, they were pushing the sound on you and like you didn't necessarily control that. And REM like signs with a major label to release green and they have it explicit in their contract that they get full creative control. And like, you can listen to the, like the Mm -hmm. clash have songs where they complain about, you know, their label and, uh, and so indies as a like term determining like, you know, why you want a label or not, like is about to not be important anymore. Yes. But anyways, moving on to uh, to hip hop. Hip hop, it's kind of weird because I was like reading stuff from the time and even in 88, there were people still saying like, oh, well, this is going to be a fad, which in 2020, clearly they were wrong. It's yeah. like people saying <laughs> that the internet was going to be a fad in the, in the early 2000s. <laughs> no, it's still um, a fad. But it's such an iconic, it's like the the year where there's a huge breakthrough because you have NWA's releasing Straight Outta Compton, Public Enemies releasing It Takes a Nation of Millions, Run DMC, uh, Salt and Pepper, Eric B and Rakim all releasing really iconic music. And then you have like super fun acts like Big Daddy Kane and Bismarcky uh, also releasing like, you know, some fun stuff. Uh, and hip hop musically is still like, hasn't evolved so much um, from like you know a drum and beat like you're really rapping over like something it's all about like the yeah. rap and the lyrics and the criticality of the live the, dj yeah the, yeah and and it's like the golden age and your lyrics and your your ability to rap is like very very key um but when you listen to like when i was listening to just rap from uh from 1988 it really showed how prolific dr dre was like mm-hmm. their songs sound so much more unique they change so much more like from an album perspective like going from one song Mm -hmm. to the next it's so different from like you know just basically every song being like boom boom he's also a great producer at letting people be themselves while also producing them in a way that's going to be listenable to a wider audience which is rare and beautiful when it's executed well and then there's sir mix a lot (laughs) (laughs) which we will get we will get yeah we'll talk about him soon it's also funny to see like uh hip-hop being kind of um denounced by like mainstream media and metal kind of gets a similar ire like but people were denouncing it as like being violent or misogynistic but in the music biz that's kind of like par for the hair metal was super like, misogynistic. Yeah, you know? and violent too. Yeah. Like yep. and metal especially was very violent, but they had the whole satanic scare. So <laughs> that's uh, true. All right, well, now now moving, moving on to moving on. Uh, to pop. Yes. Oh man, pop music in the eighties, phenomenal time. I know. Before I mentioned uh, hating pop music, and the eighties is like prime time for that. But a plus, a plus stuff. We have George Michael. Prince, Huey Lewis in the news? Are you oh, kidding baby. me? New Kids on the Block. That's with the. Uh, is that Marky Mark in that one? That's Marky yeah, Mark. It's yep. Marky Mark. Not Marky Mark, but it's his brother, Donnie. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. Donnie. It's Donnie. And Sorry. then, of course, Donnie, Boston. <laughs> and we got Rick Astley. He has the biggest year of his career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just great stuff. We're going to dive a lot more into pop, so we won't go too in depth right now in uh, the next section. But. Um, Lots of sexual innuendos, lots of good times here to be had. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of sexiness, especially with 
uh, <laughs> Prince and his, his album cover, which I will come back to later on. Oh, man. Um, the power ballads are uh, also strong. Um, so and, many power ballads. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's just... It, it's fun. It's light. If you don't take it seriously, it's the best. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, pop is strong, and, and we're going to, you know, obviously dive into it deep in our next section when we talk about the Billboard and Grammys. Oh, so up next, our favorite genre, metal. We actually normally will probably not include metal, but mm-hmm. it's so relevant in 88 that you just like can't yeah. ignore. Probably mostly 80s, We're like past the, like their, oh, metal's, metal's real, metal's real, like permeating the charts and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But we're still in the early phases of metal. Um, Metallica, the big four, Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer, all releasing albums this year. Most of them have released what are considered their critically best albums already, and these are follow-ups for the most part. A lot of covers mm-hmm. in some of their albums and stuff like that. Iron Maiden also has an album come out. Iron Maiden's one of the you know, forefathers of metal. Definitely one of the most uh, critical bands if you're a big metalhead and one of the most popular bands in the world. Yeah. Um, we're not big metal people, but we all listen to albums from this, and I just our limited experience of metal... Of the big four thrash metal bands, which include Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax, which one is your favorite, and which one would you go see live in 88? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm like, it's funny, because I'm a little bit excited to like get more into this, because I, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would, mm-hmm. um, but like Metallica, outside of one, I, I didn't care for them. Um, Anthrax and Slayer were kind of mm-hmm. blurred for me. I I had moments of enjoyed. I like legitimately like Megadeth, um, so Megadeth would be my answer for both of those. I agree with Megadeth. Megadeth yeah. is up there. I probably would still go see um, Metallica. Metallica, just because like, Metallica show. in the '80s, yeah, it's it, they're yeah. pretty phenomenal, and they've lasted for a reason. I mean, not that Megadeth hasn't lasted, but um, I do think. As a whole, I like listening to Megadeth more than Metallica, but... It's funny that we kind of all landed on Megadeth. Yeah, I think they're just a little bit more melodic uh, than some of the other ones. You know what I mean? So it's like, for me, sitting and listening to a Metallica concert for two hours, I feel like by the end I'd have a migraine. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) maybe I'm just an old person and whatever. People can disagree with me. But for some reason, Megadeth, I don't get that impression and i think that like i don't know their souls are yeah their souls are more it's less just like fast tappy it it felt like it was more melodic like you said right exactly there's like like, there's like a direction to their solos and they take it one place into another and they come back down i don't know it's just yeah remember playing hanger 18 and guitar here too Oh yeah, banger! Absolutely, it's an awesome song. That's a perfect oh, yeah. example. Of I'm, yes. I'm, I'm like actually gonna listen to Megadeth albums, whether like we're doing metal in the future mm-hmm. or not. Whereas the other ones, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Sort of an offshoot of metal, yeah, hair metal slash glam rock. <clears throat> yes. Oh man, this is again kind of on that metal, but it's also on the pop train, yeah. which I'm all about. <laughs> love, love the hair metal. <laughs> uh, we have Bon Jovi, just, Ugh. you know, being Bon Jovi, Great. and doesn't improve. It's fine. We have um, Europe. What else can I say about Europe? Yeah, the final countdown. What else could you ask for? The final countdown's earlier, right? I think it, it's earlier. It is, yeah, but, is, but is. like, that's all that matters. Yeah. They made that masterpiece. Uh, Poison. Oh, man, we have... Uh, What's his face from Poison? I can't think of his name. Brad, Brad, Brad Michaels. Michaels. Thank you. Sorry, I blanked on it completely. Rock I'm just love. picturing. I, I was distracted by that bandana in the long <laughs> um, Van Halen, uh, post um, 
David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. Thank you. I'm blanking on names today. Apologies. Hey, the one you remembered is Van Halen. (laughs) R.I.P. Eddie. (laughs) Yes, so true. R.I.P. And Guns N' Roses with GNR Lies, which is not a great album, but... But a great band. But a great band. Um, So... And this is when Appetite for Destruction is popular as 88. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Guns N' Roses in this genre, like, kind of... um, I mean, they are, like, the hair metal, but they're, like... I would say they're more, like... A retro classic rock type band because they're not playing like the cheesy love type songs that like Poison or Bon Jovi go for but yeah they're more like but they're not metal so it's they're like, like Aerosmith but Aerosmith is often like seen as like the proto band for like this hair metal yeah for the hair. Right, like right. the oh the band that Bon Jovi went to like listen to was Aerosmith right and that was the yeah. connection and they all look they they have the hair Yes. Yeah. Joe oh, and yes. Steven feel like it's almost like they're caricaturing Keith and Mick and like that kind of becomes the, the silliness of glam in, in, a, in a way. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then we do have now classic rock and pop rock. Yeah. So classic rock is in a really weird place where like um, these guys are the first like artists who are musicians who other than like Frank Sinatra and, and some rare exceptions, they're kind of pioneers in like I'm going to have a career in music. Like, because the idea of a rock star was brand new when these guys were coming up. Yeah. And and I'm talking, of course, about like, you know, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, uh, Bob Dylan, Keith Richards, who's, you know, from Rolling Stones, most of you probably know that, Blue Oyster Cult, like bands that were big in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, and so no one has sort of taught them the way. Like, how do you be a mid-40-year-old rock star? So they're... I, they all release, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, trash in 1988. They're releasing bad things, but I kind of feel bad because, you know, no one no one showed that, like, Keith Richards, that, like, dude, you're not 25 anymore. Like, you just, these blues rock songs that are about, like, being young, like, you kind of have to evolve. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's, it, it's not inspired anymore. Um, but... One of the interesting things that gets released is Traveling Wilburys, which is a combination of Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, uh, George, George Harrison, Harrison and, and Jeff Lynne and, and from Jeff Lynne. Yeah, right. Yellow. Um, and it's way better than all of their output from the same year. And the only one who's like really releasing good music past this point is uh, Tom Petty, who's mm-hmm. about to have like, you know, blow up in the 90s. And mm-hmm. it was kind of funny to me because I thought that. Like especially listening to like Dylan, Dylan written songs like mm-hmm. on his own record that were so bad. But then traveling Wilburys, it's like they put on a mask, and it's almost like uh, Damon Albarn going from Blur to Gorillas and taking on a persona, or like Josh Tillman becoming Father John Misty. Yeah, yep. And I actually think it's like kind of a cool thing for artists to do to like take on this alternative persona because it allows you to write like music as if you were a traveling family band. Yeah, they all had their own names and everything. And the, Lefty Wilbury. Yeah, like but I think they had fun with it and it ended up being like it's not a great album, but it's pretty good. Yeah, some of the songs no. endured and like yeah. compared to other supergroups that have existed, I couldn't tell you more yeah. than one or two songs. Like Monsters of Folk. Like it's this is this is a great example. Handle yeah. with care it literally happened by accident. George Harrison needed a B-side and he was hanging out with uh Roy Orbison and um, Jeff Lynne, and they were just like, let's record one together. As you do. As you do, you know, being famous, hanging out with legends of music. And, oh, it's a great, it's a great, it's a, the, at least that single and end of the lineups, like to be the Monkey Man, but like those are 
cool songs by some of the most talented men of all time and to Brian's point that weren't really outputting like any of their best stuff at that point yeah and it, I want to be clear I do love like all these bands like all oh, these yeah. artists like I love the bands and they came from Dylan is great stuff later on and yeah, beforehand obviously it's, it's it's weird yeah it's weird how much of a lull yeah. there was but uh, anyways we went on to, to some quieting it down a little bit for folk and <laughs> folk and singer songwriter really cool stuff they have going on at this time uh, because a lot of political movement, you can tell from hip-hop, basically. Hip-hop is very political at this point. There's a lot of uh, folk and singer-songwriter stuff that's coming out. You know, it's po- kind of post-Reagan era, right? The tail end of Reagan, the beginning of Bush. A very uh, softer tone to it, though. It's not as aggressively angry as you'll get later on in like the late 90s and yeah. such. But you get Tracy Chapman, comes out with her debut album, Tracy Chapman, which has Fast Car on it, everybody, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, Bob, do you know that Ryan and I performed an instrumental version of Fast Car one time in Cambridge, like in, in front <laughs> Wait, of an really? audience? That's yeah. right. That's right. And, I don't uh, remember anything else we played, but I know we we practiced a little bit for that little gig. It was for Rhonda's uh, dance. Yeah, and we yeah. Used, we played between cool. acts. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the ones we did. We jammed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure one was like, fun. Was I doing the um, like the lyrics, but with the guitar? Like, yeah, you were playing like the yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. That's uh, cool. The melody. <laughs> It's one of those uh, catchy r- r- licks. That, that lick, like, immediately, you're like, this is Fast Car, yeah. which I thought was released in the mid-90s. Yeah. It's from 1988. But uh, Steve Earle also has his signature uh, song come out, Copperhead Road, and the album of the same name. Um, Cowboy Junkies, which is all-female group, right? No, I think it was Guys and Girls. Oh, guys and, Goes to Mix? Okay, yeah. And, uh, but the singers, yeah. Yeah. Talented, talented Super group. They do a lot of cool covers. And uh, the Water Boys... Lucinda Williams, if you're into her, she has her self-titled album this year. A uh, bunch of other folks, Leonard Cohen, The Pogues. A lot of, obviously, it's a real big mix of artists and singer-songwriter, but it's a good grouping to put together. It seems like they were chasing that Irish money. Yes. There's lots of Irish artists. Big time. Van Morrison's solo album, he, uh, he does an album combined with, um, I forget the name, it's an Irish uh, power group, but he does like traditional Irish music and stuff like that, so there's a lot of... A lot of that going on, but um, yeah, U2 releases Rattle and Hum this year, and U2, I think, really had a significant effect after they just won in the year before, album of the year for Joshua Tree, and Joshua Tree is one of the biggest selling albums of all time, it's Where the Streets of No Name, With or Without You. This is not an 88 album, but this album is so massive, still haven't found what I'm looking for is on it, that yeah. I think it really helped singer-songwriters be like, this is a way to go, they're playing arenas, and they're playing very, like... Well, Enya's from Ireland, yeah. too. Oh, no, I didn't know you was from yeah. Ireland. Oh, she cool. owns a castle outside of Dublin. It's incredible. Google it if you're interested in that. It's She is probably the most badass house in Ireland. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, yes. I remember you showing me that. That was It's a, literally yeah. a castle. It's literally a castle. Yeah. It There's, has a gate and everything. That's awesome. <laughs> what a great way to spend your money if you're you know, living that life. But, no, it's really uh, it's an exciting time for singer-songwriters. There's a lot of transformation going on and a lot of... Uh, Great time in country music, too. I think Steve Earle is yeah. a really great example of a country artist that people who don't necessarily love what modern country is now are like pop-type country. He is a great example of the foil to that. Yeah. So up next, I really associate the 80s with punk and hardcore mm-hmm. music, um, but it's weird to see like uh, punk kind of changing and losing steam and post-punk 
kind of like trying to figure out what they can do musically. I mean, you have Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds who are everywhere for our podcast because they release music for like decades. Yeah. Uh, Bad Religion has Suffer, uh, Throwing Muses, The Fall has this album called I Am Curious Orange where they try to do like crot rock <laughs> from a band that like just, it's weird. Uh, and then Wire, which is one of the OG um, UK punk bands, is releasing like really long songs that are nothing like their earlier stuff. Um, and I don't know, it just, it seems like it's a little bit lost in a way i mean you still have like henry rollins trying to release music but you know not the same energy of the early 80s and that was kind of weird for me to like figure out that yeah like hmm, this is very like movement oriented mm-hmm. and in 88 it's just it's lost a lot of steam um but if you're into like experimental rock there's mm-hmm. lots of cool things going on so it's also the breeding ground for a lot of your favorite stuff from the late 90s early 2000s yeah like Correct. definitely uh, yeah, and some of the more experimental stuff you're talking about is the next and final section we have here of shoegaze and dream pop uh, and some of the other catch-all genres. So we have um, My Bloody Valentine with Isn't Anything, Cocktail Twins, Bluebell Knoll, Galaxy 500, Out Today, Talk Talk, oh, Spirit of Eden, uh, Dead Can Dance, Serpent's Egg, Serpent's Egg, excuse me. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's a real experimental uh, genre at this point. It's uh, really expanding a lot. It's a big year. Uh, and these early stages are um, going on to be incredibly influential, even though they're not super commercially successful. People haven't necessarily caught on, but I feel like that's kind of how a lot of genres develop. You know, yeah. and it has to be a slow build a lot of times. Um, and Especially the, like in the UK, like, yeah. this was like a really exciting scene and like Brian, you know, gets involved by the early nineties and yeah. Yeah. And you know, the internet today loves shoegaze, but Bobby does not. Bobby no, does not. It's not my thing. <laughs> One of these days I'll find a, a shoegaze song that you like, Bobby. You may. Know, but... It's very, I respect what they're going for, but I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with that, uh, any, any last words on the overview? I mean, it's nice to see it all from a, a, a thousand foot view and kind of look at all of these. Um, but I am excited to dive into <laughs> the next section with the billboard charts oh, and yeah. the Grammy. It's my favorite part. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Tune in next week. That's right. Yes. So, uh, thank you for listening and, uh, enjoying, hopefully you enjoyed this recap of the genres of 1988 and, uh, we will see you next week with the Grammys and billboards and all of the good pop music. Yeah, thanks for checking us out, and go on to our uh, social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as The Boys Are Back in Time. You can check out our website, theboysarebackintime.com. Give us a follow. Uh, keep on listening. We'll be releasing a new pod every week yeah, for each and month. A new, and a new year every month. New year every month. Thanks, everybody, and stay tuned for part two. Mm-hmm.